Quran is chapter three of the story, the final chapter of the trilogy. It was meant to be read with the Old Testament and the New Testament. If it was corrupted, then for sure God would have pointed it out. If the Bible, for example, says Jesus was crucified, the Quran corrects it and he says he was only crucified in the apparent. And then what about all these other things that are in the New Testament that is not being corrected? Well, we automatically just believe in all of that. That's what we should do. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل على محمد وعلى محمد أدم ومهدينا وسلم تسليما السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته my dear friend Tiffany عليكم السلام ورحمة الله وبركاته thank you so much for for having me here today hey thank you for coming back and joining us so Tiffany today we're going to talk about the Torah the Injil the Bible the Gospels and the Quran and how Jews, Christians and Muslims read the three of them. Um, so the Torah, it's the only book out of the three that the Jews read. And uh, the Jews are, are adamant about reading it. And uh, it's part of their religion that they have to read it. They have to be educated in it. And there's even traditions and narrations, Jewish narrations that state that you know it is obligatory for the youth when they get a certain age that they recite or learn the Torah and that there's no good in children uh, or youth that reach a certain age that don't know the Torah so it's uh, you have to you have to know it and as you know the Torah it tells in detail the stories of the prophets and the messengers in the beginning of creation you know all the way down till uh, the time of Moses, uh, and that, that's the, the, the first five, uh, books of the, of the Hebrew Bible. But then you have in addition to that, the stories of the rest of the Hebrew, um, the prophets and messengers and kings and judges, uh, all the way up until, um, you know, the last prophet that's mentioned, uh, uh with the Jewish people, and that's Malachi. Mm. And uh, uh, they're discouraged uh, from reading the New Testament. Uh, they're told uh, to not even look into it, not to look into the uh, Quran, because these are uh, books that come from like false prophets and they would uh, confuse people. So it's, it's not allowed to read there. So now you have the Jews, uh, they're reading uh, the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, um, you know, from Genesis all the way down till the time of uh, Malachi. And then you have the New Testament uh, that uh, Christians have, uh, you know, have taken as their uh, holy script or holy uh, text, the Gospels. And uh, the Gospels was compiled by um, the disciples of Christ, uh, along with uh, another man, which is Paul you know, the false disciple and uh, and his companions who kind of had a lot of influence in the compilation uh, of the text. And what's interesting about Christians is that when they, when they brought forward their holy text, um, they were unable uh, or chose not to uh, bring it forward as the Gospels alone, as the New Testament alone. Uh, now 
They always present the Bible as a book that consists of two parts. Uh, chapter 1, which is the Old Testament, chapter 2, which is the New Testament. And they are inseparable. Uh, you, you pretty much cannot find uh, in a church or in a bookstore or on the streets uh, somebody that will sell you or hand you a copy, a Christian copy of the Bible uh, that is only New Testament. It always comes with the Old Testament and if anything, this stresses upon the fact that Christians see that it is impossible to read uh, the New Testament and understand it properly and fully without having access to the Old Testament, even if they uh, invalidate or kind of no longer believe in uh, some of the Old Testament laws or uh, don't consider it to be in effect today. Um, they still believe that in order to grasp the magnitude of the message of Jesus Christ, you have to have read or have knowledge of the Old Testament. And certainly the disciples, uh, when they were speaking and in their writings and in the, uh, the, the, the sayings that are in the New Testament of Jesus himself, um, He's, you can tell that it's written in such a way and it's spoken in such a way that there is this underlying assumption that is there that the people that are on the receiving end of the message already have a basic knowledge at the very least of the uh, Old Testament because there are hundreds of uh, direct references and thousands upon thousands of indirect cross-references between the Old Testament and the New Testament, which means what? Which means that Jesus will be directly quoting a couple verses from the, the, the Old Testament. For example, when he's quoting verses from Isaiah. Those couple verses from Isaiah will be listed uh, there, uh, but if, if, the, if, the, if the reader wanted to understand the context of why it is that Jesus is quoting these verses, what do these verses have to do with? What else was the prophet saying? He would have to have access to the book of Isaiah. And for that reason, the Christians saw that it was necessary to place the two together. There's also this, this thing where um, they see it necessary to place the Old Testament because of the typology of, of the story of Jesus and the events that he goes through and how it mimics or is paralleled in the stories of the uh, Old Testament. For example, the, the idea of, of Jesus uh, being in the belly of the earth uh, for three days and resurrected. Yeah. Well, they say that, well, you know, uh, uh, something that will give you more certitude uh, concerning this this thing is the fact that God already did that before with Jonah when he was in the belly of the whale uh, for uh, three days. So as G as God did with with Jonah, so did did 
Jesus, you know, uh, who they believe is God himself, you know. And uh, then they'll say, like, for example, as God uh, demanded that Abraham sacrifice his son on Mount Moriah. Well, here's a fascinating fact, and that is that, you know, Jesus himself was crucified on Mount Moriah. You know, and God offered his son, you know, because people that say, oh, God wouldn't offer his son. Well, look, God demanded that Abraham do so. And then they kind of use these things, these cross references, but it, it wouldn't be powerful. Like, like if you just read the New Testament alone by itself, you would think to yourself, that's weird. Like, why would God do these things? Or what is the significance of this? You would be missing out on about 90% of the story. And you also have verses on the tongue of Jesus, you know, in the New Testament, where he's basically saying that, like, let no letter from the Old Testament be wiped away or from the law be changed, you know, and, and thus he's confirming, he's confirming that which came in the Old Testament before. And so if Jesus thought that it was important that people pay attention to the old laws of the Old Testament and to have an understanding of that, well, then we, we also as followers of Jesus have to uphold the Old Testament and read it as well. So therefore they are, um, you know, placed together. Yes. Yeah, and I mean, for sure, you're describing it exactly um, how Christians see it. You know, there's this whole study. Um, it, it's very important. If you're going to study the Bible, you have to study both uh, hand in hand. Because as you mentioned, there's all these parallels in the story of Jesus and the stories of the prophets and messengers who came before Jesus. And um, it's it's really seen as like one long continuous story that's leading up to Jesus, who is the Messiah. So if you don't have uh, all of these prophecies and all of these interactions between God and mankind, the significance of the Messiah would be lost altogether. So it's very important. Yeah. And, and, and also they see that like Jesus is the fulfillment of many of the prophecies of the former prophets and messengers. Yeah. And so they see that it's necessary that people have access to the writings of those old prophets and messengers and and therefore they can see for their own selves how powerful uh, the coming of Jesus was because he was actually foretold um you know beforehand by the prophets and messengers and uh, and yeah so you can't read the new testament now, without the Old Testament, it's kind of impossible. Uh, the Old Testament is is considered by the Jews to have been written by uh, the first five books by Moses himself, mm-hmm. which they deem to be their greatest prophet uh, of all time. And uh, the books that come after that, uh, they consider them to be the writings of various prophets and messengers. So... The book of Zephaniah would be by Zephaniah. The book of Jonah would be written by Jonah, you know, and as such uh, compiled by prophets and messengers that uh, lived uh, before the coming of Jesus Christ. The authorship of the New Testament is a little bit different. Uh, As we've mentioned uh, briefly before in other episodes on this channel, um, because it is not a book that is written by Jesus Christ himself. Yeah. Uh, which is a little bit different uh, to the way that they see how the Old Testament is written. So it is um, compiled or written allegedly by the disciples of Jesus. In reality, the scholars say 
that it wasn't written by the direct disciples of Jesus, but rather by disciples of the disciples, most probably, you know, whereby the disciples of Jesus would have had, um, you know, manuscripts or gospels or accounts that were written in Aramaic. And these are nowhere to be found now, but the disciples of the disciples that were kind of uh, seeking to spread the message throughout the world, uh, they wrote it. Uh, they copied those Gospels down or wrote it based on what they heard from the original uh, disciples. And then uh, Paul and and uh, the church end up in the end uh, taking the Greek form of it, a Greek translation of it and propagating it uh, around the world. Yes. So the authorship is different. Yes. And so now you have Jews that are discouraged from reading the New Testament Christians that are are encouraged to read the Old Testament, mm-hmm. uh, but they don't believe that the Old Testament is valid now. That's okay. why they call their book a new book instead yeah. of a continuation of the same book. Like it's not Hebrew Bible, and then they just add on to it. The story continues. Um, but rather they make this distinction that like, no, there's a new Testament and there's an old Testament because they view that the Jewish Bible, the Hebrew Bible is the story of man's failings with God that from the time of Adam, he's disobeying God uh, all the way down to the stories of the prophets and the messengers. And they're all making mistakes and disobeying God and breaking God's covenant. And therefore, because they broke it too many times, like the covenant just became invalid and God himself came down in the form of Jesus Christ after they rejected several prophets after Malachi, including Zechariah and John the Baptist. And, uh, you know, and, and, and denying, uh, really in disbelieving and crucifying in the end, uh, in the apparent, the, the Messiah himself. Yeah. Yeah. And thus it necessitated a new covenant. And so another reason why it is important that they are put side by side, uh, in the same book is because Jesus changes the laws that were once in place before. Um, And he corrects that which was corrupted by the Israelites before. So it serves also as a correcting piece, a corrector um, of things that were corrupted. And an example of this in the New Testament is when the Pharisees and the rabbis, they're talking to uh, Jesus uh, about divorce and they're asking him his opinion on it. And then Jesus basically says that, you know, that let no man separate what God has placed together, meaning, guys, uh, my opinion on it, uh, you know, the, the reality about it is that, uh, you know, marriage is a holy union. God is the one who basically oversees, blesses, officiates um, people that are married on earth. They were married and bound before in the kingdoms of the heavens. Uh, any marriage that is done in the sake of God, uh, then divorce is not allowed. Why? Because if God brought these people together, then the act of divorce is to change the very will of God, and that's not permissible. And that stunned everybody because it made so much sense. 
and they were left uh, confused, you know, and that's why the Catholic Church today, divorce is not allowed. It's haram, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. You know, so that's that's an interesting fact for people to, to know. So in Judaism, uh, you know, divorce is allowed. In Christianity, uh, divorce is haram. It's impermissible. Yeah. It's forbidden. It's for Catholics, a sin. At least, yes. Yeah, for yeah. Catholics. I mean, look, yeah. the Protestants, that's another story. Yeah. We can talk about them, uh, you know, another day. But the original church, which yeah. is the Catholic Church, it was forbidden and it's based on scriptural evidence. Yes. Right? Yeah. yeah. It's the law that Jesus brought. Yeah. And and even it goes so much as, as to say that, like, if anybody divorces and yeah. marries somebody else, that is the same thing as fornicating. Yeah. You know, there's, and committing adultery. You know, that the woman, if she divorces and she takes on a new husband, uh, then, you know, it doesn't matter. Like that new uh, marriage is invalid and she's just spending her life in adultery and vice versa for the man as well. Right? That's a big change. It is a big change. So the Pharisees, they're confused. Jesus is making sense. Uh, you know, okay, yeah, we believe that God brings together the man and wife. And, and so, okay, but then, so they're left with nothing to say. But then they're like, but Moses, why would Moses allow it then? You know, so then Jesus says, you know, that Moses didn't allow it because it was God who allowed it. You know, or God who, who, who liked the divorce or, uh, you know, it was Moses allowed it because you guys' hearts were hardened. And so he's correcting the understanding that the Jewish people had behind the validation or the acceptance or allowance of, uh, or the permissibility of divorce in the time of Moses. Does that make sense? Yes, it makes perfect sense. Yes, he came and he corrected something that was wrong in the Old Testament or something that uh, the prophet had an incorrect understanding of God's stance on it. And he came and corrected that. Exactly. And there's many examples of that and things that are um, understandings in the Old Testament, which the New Testament, uh, Jesus kind of uh, corrects. So now we, we, we see that the New Testament the book of the Christians serves as a continuation. Mm-hmm. It's chapter two of the story. It's meant to be read in light of the Old Testament, in light of the book that came before. If you don't do so, then you're missing out and you won't understand. Imagine just reading New Testament and you don't know who Moses is. And there's just a reference to Moses. Yeah. yeah. Or there's a reference to Isaiah. And you have no access whatsoever. You have no idea who these people are. You're not going to grasp the whole point. You're not going to understand the, the beauty of it, the context of it. Your enlightenment would only be uh, so much. It would be like watching, uh, for example, Star Wars or, or Dune or, um, you know, The Matrix or any of these movies that, you know, are in trilogies, for example, and you only watch like the second movie and you don't watch the first movie and you don't watch the third movie. Yeah. You're not even going to understand what happened. Like, you'll, you'll only understand so much as shown within that movie. Uh, you know, or Lord of the Rings chapter two, like you're just going to understand, uh, you know, the, the, the episode barely, Yeah. you know, you won't understand uh, the backstory and you definitely won't understand the ending of it as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for sure. The 
everybody knows you you can't just jump into a trilogy like halfway through you have to you have to go from the beginning if you want the full experience exactly okay so then we come to islam and the quran and uh, and now there's a you know chapter 3 begins the the trilogy's uh, third part um you know begins and the prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi he comes um and he claims that he is chapter 3 he claims that he comes you know as the final part uh, of the trilogy and he uh, uses scripture to validate his claim he says jesus promised to that look guys it's not over yet i'm going to send a messenger to come don't worry don't be sad i'm leaving but i'm going to send another paraclete to come you know i'm going to send another one and he says i'm that other one you know that was on the tongue of jesus here i am why are you guys surprised it was mentioned before and so he validates his claim by mentioning a previous prophet and messenger just like jesus did with isaiah he's quoting previous scripture that comes before there is uh, you know over a handful of times a dozen times where the bible and the torah in the quran in this version of the quran is explicitly mentioned the prophets and the messengers of the old testament and uh, the messiah of the new testament are mentioned by name in the quran there are chapters of the quran that are named after characters of the new and old testament for example the surah of maryam there's a chapter uh, that's named after mother mary herself right the mother of jesus christ and so there's this like extreme importance and emphasis that is placed in the quran and in the message of muhammad sallallahu on these previous two books the torah and the gospels and we we find something uh interesting takes place um in the in the Quran, and that is that while the there's all these prophets and messengers and righteous men and women uh, from the Old Testament, New Testament that are that are being referenced or named in the Quran, their stories are not retold in its entirety. Most of the time, it is just highlighted. Parts of the stories are highlighted but they're not given in detail and many of the prophets and messengers are just mentioned in passing and uh and that's really just it you know and like for example i mentioned in the book so and so and then it will mention off a couple uh prophets and messengers like whether it's enoch and, and it will just say that like you know we raised them to a high station you yeah. know but you don't understand them. what does we raised them to a high station uh even mean you know and the only way to understand it is if you had knowledge of the old testament and then you would know that god uh, you know he walked with enoch and then he took enoch and enoch was lifted or raised uh, from the earth and then you're like okay well then uh, that is what it what it meant you know yeah and and you know there'll be references to elijah and like is is fighting against Baal or or so and then you won't understand the context of, of the story or why this person's even important unless you uh, read the old testament and there's a few stories that are mentioned in the quran 
in greater detail, like for example, the story of Yusuf. Uh, the story of Yusuf you'll find in there. It's kind of retold in a summarized way, uh, missing some details, uh, but uh, there's more. You know, it's mentioned. Uh, you know, in a coherent uh, fashion as to where most of the stories in the in the Quran are not mentioned in a coherent fashion at all. Yeah. Like you'll just find it's talking about one topic and then it goes and it mentions. Uh, you know, a couple verses about a story of of Moses. You know, or or an event with Noah and then it will carry on into uh, something else so there's like this it's as if somebody God is having a conversation with people you know and you can't understand this conversation unless you already know these stories or have a background information about them or if you had already read the Old Testament and the New Testament did yeah. you want to say something no no I, I I'm, I'm really I'm I'm seeing that that's absolutely true that um, these these references to the to the stories of the prophets and the messengers, uh, it it seems almost like um, a requirement or an understanding that Prophet Muhammad had that the people would have been familiar with the stories in greater detail, or they would have had access to these stories in greater detail. Um, but yeah, the, I I also know that it's not necessarily um, encouraged that people go back no, to these no, books. No. The Muslims. Muslim scholars, uh, they always say uh, things that are basically, in, uh, you know, it's it's opposite uh, to what the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi and his family actually said and what they did. And so you have many hadiths to that um, where like Imam Ali salam will come across a Christian priest, for example, who has a copy of the Bible or the Gospels, or he'll, you know, he'll he'll be sitting in the house of the Prophet Muhammad, and in another narration, and and they'll have like a copy of the Old Testament, the New Testament there, and you'll see that like the they would always like kiss it, you know, or they'll prostrate on it, you know, or they'll venerate the book in, in and validate it in various narrations with their uh, companions. Uh, in great detail, and there are many hadiths that talk about the greatness of the of the Torah and the greatness of the message of Jesus and the Gospels. You know, um, but yet we find the scholars of Islam they totally forbid uh, and discourage. They don't forbid one hundred percent, but they well, some do. But for the most part, they scare people and and discourage them from reading the Old Testament and the New Testament in the same way that the Jews uh, forbid and, uh, people from reading the New Testament and the Quran, citing verses that mention that there were corruptions that took place uh, in these texts and therefore, like, guys, we can't uh, validate uh, the claims. We don't know what parts were corrupt and what parts were not corrupt. And therefore, the person who believes in these books, they can uh, be easily led astray. And so instead of encouraging people uh, to read the Old Testament and the New Testament for the sake of validating the prophethood of the Prophet Muhammad, and seeing parallels, uh, you know, and, and reading and doing the same thing that Christians do, where they kind of see this typology taking place between the Old Testament and the New Testament and the Quran, the life of the Prophet Muhammad and his message. 
they they totally cut the people off from uh, the backstory, and then you're just left with like these uh, ha- you know these the, the, these groups of verses, handfuls of verses about each. Uh, you know, prophet here and there, where you you kind of have a little bit highlighted of the story of Adam, not too much. Uh, you know, a reference or two to the tree, and 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 then you have like a lot of verses uh, that repeat itself uh, concerning the conversations of uh, Moses with Pharaoh. Um, you know, and and highlighting some events from the life of Moses, but not in a kind of coherent way all the time. Uh, you know, references without naming uh, the individual to prophets, like for example, Joshua, son of Nun. Um, you know, some some verses about Jesus uh, that are uh, ambiguous and uh, that are different than uh, what's what. What's, what's in the Gospels, and so you wonder what 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 is it that that is that is that is happening here? Because the the book you know read alone is confusing, and it doesn't even make sense. And a lot of people end up disbelieving in the Quran and Islam because of very, of that. They say, "What kind of a book is this? It don't even make sense." Like all you got to do is read it from the beginning to the end, and and it, you know there's no I don't understand. You don't understand what's going on. Uh, but the Quran changes if you read it from the beginning till the end while having read or had knowledge of the Old Testament and the New Testament. And that's why a lot of Christians and Jews, uh, after reading the Quran, they end up believing in it because uh, they don't need that the same stories that are already mentioned in the Old Testament be retold again in the Quran. It would be unnecessary. Just like for Christians, when they wrote and compiled the New Testament, they thought to themselves, it's really important that the people know the stories of the prophets and the messengers uh, from Adam all the way down. But it's already there. Like we're not going to take the time to rewrite the whole Torah, uh, you know, or the the whole Hebrew Bible from beginning till end, uh, you know, in our own words. Uh, Jesus didn't have the time to do that. It was not necessary to do that. Why would he do that if it was already there and written and established by Moses? All Jesus needs to do is just ensure that whatever's corrupt in it, that he points that out. And the same thing over here in the in the Quran, Muhammad sallallahu God's revelation to Muhammad, it was not needed that God retell in great detail everything that is already written in the Torah and the Gospels. He should only reference it. And by these references, people would know, okay, well, go back and read these things. Now, if you go back and you read these things and you're worried about, uh, you know, about corruptions that are in there or things that ended up, the devil ended up placing in there. Well, it's the duty of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu and the duty of God who revealed the Quran to clarify and correct these mistakes or these misconceptions or these corruptions okay. that took place. And that's what the Quran is. Quran is chapter three of the story. Uh, the final chapter of the trilogy, it was meant to be read in connection to and with the Old Testament and the New Testament. It should have been placed right after the New Testament in the Bible. Uh, there should be the Quran should have been passed out 
uh, as Old Testament, New Testament, and then uh, the uh, Quran after that, and read as such. And if it was read as such, then uh, it would make it would make a lot more sense. Yeah. And at the same time, uh, the misunderstandings would have been clarified. So instead of assuming that the New Testament and the Old Testament. Uh, everything in there is see it's the, the, the scholars of misguidance they always do the opposite the opposite of logic uh, the opposite of what the prophets and the messengers had intended uh, god brings down quran and he corrects that which is incorrect and so what logic would say right and what what makes sense and what god intended is that we read the quran and uh, if the bible for example says jesus was crucified the Quran corrects it and he says he was only crucified in the apparent. It was made to look so. But actually the Jews didn't crucify um, Jesus. This didn't happen. You know, so a correction is taking place. Yeah. So we disbelieve in the idea that he was crucified and we believe that it was only made to look so. That is the correct understanding uh, of what took place and what happened. And then what about all these other things that are in the New Testament that is not being corrected? Well, we automatically just believe in all of that. That is what we should do. Why? Because if it was, if it was corrupted, then for sure God would have pointed it out. And if he didn't point it out, it's not our fault. Uh, what we should do by the narrations of Muhammad and the family of Muhammad is that anytime we hear news that comes from God or from one of the people of the house or from that's attributed to a prophet or messenger, that the right thing to do is to never deny it. Yeah. That's what we should do. Not that we do what the scholars want us to do, and that is that uh, we just deny everything. We deny the fact that he was crucified, and we deny the entire Gospels uh, altogether, except what we cherry pick and choose that you know that uh, in the in the minds or the opinions of of the of the scholars, and and pretty much like invalidate the entire book. And by this, we would have belied God from above His throne. And we perhaps would have disbelieved in things that God had intended for mankind to believe in or in actual revelations that come from him. And then we're going to end up, uh, you know, at the same, you know, in, in the same place in hellfire as those who denied the book in, in, the, in their time. So uh, the Quran, uh, you know, the it should be read in the context of the Old Testament and New Testament. It is validating in many verses that these books were truly from God. It came to correct. Uh, there are many corrections that it makes in certain stories. Uh, and there's additions, things that people did not know or things that were gospels that were left out of the New Testament that should have been included. For example, in the in the Quran, there's references to the fact that Jesus spoke in the cradle, right? Mm -hmm. And yes. this story or that he created birds out of clay. Yeah. And we don't find this in the New Testament, do we? No, it's not. But it is in one of the one of the uh, apocryphal texts. It's uh, in a text called the um, Infancy Gospel of Thomas. So it is present in Christian writings, but not in the gospel uh, the gospels that we have in the Bible. See, and and so now this is the greatness of the Quran. The Quran now is is directing us in the right way. Yeah, it's telling us, guys, the gospel is great. It's holy. It's from God. 
Jesus, he was not crucified. God protected him. He saved him. Do you remember when he, in the New Testament, said to God, God, let this uh, cup pass from me, yeah. right? Well, guess what? God accepted his prayer, and he saved him from the humiliation at the hands of the Jews. Your Savior, your Messiah, was not killed by them. That's a correction. And then he says, and guess what? Jesus is even greater than what the gospel said. Did you know that he was... Did you know that he used to create birds as a child? Did you know that he spoke in the cradle? And then the Christian is like, no, I didn't know. And then the Quran says, you know, we'll look a little bit further. And then the Christian will find out that actually there are these texts that existed that the, the, the emperor left out. Yeah. They didn't add into the Gospels. And so the Quran is pointing them towards the truth in other sources, Gospels that were left out. And uh, thus he completes the uh, guidance for mankind. Yeah. And so another thing is that because these stories already exist in the Old Testament and the New Testament, um, it was n not that important that all of these stories be retold again because uh, it, the Quran needs space, and just like the New Testament needed space and it didn't retell the stories of the Old Testament. Why did it need space? It needed space to tell the story of Jesus himself. And the Quran needed space to tell the story of Muhammad sallallahu the, the The old uh, books in the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, were serving as kind of uh, gospels or the good news of those prophets and messengers or the warnings of those prophets and messengers that came, their autobiographies, their stories, their tales, uh, their words. New Testament It's the autobiography of Jesus. It's his tale. It's his story. It's, it's the history that happened in his time period. The same thing happens with the Quran. On, you know, and that is that uh, the Quran has in there uh, stories of uh, that are taking place in the time and lessons and parables and and uh, and the word of God that is spoken in the time of the Prophet Muhammad pertaining to him and his companions uh, in that. Uh, day and day and age, and so the Quran is the gospel of the Prophet Muhammad. Uh, the the Hebrew Bible is written by the prophets and the messengers, uh, mainly by Moses, and then those messengers that came after that. Uh, New Testament is written by the disciples uh, of Jesus Christ, and the and also some fake people, and then the. Quran is supposed to be the ultimate revelation of all, which is different than the Old Testament and the New Testament in the way that it is actually the gospel of Muhammad written by God himself, mm -hmm. revealed on the tongue of the Prophet Muhammad. Yeah. And so he writes 
uh, his own story or God writes the story of Muhammad directly through Muhammad as to preserve it from uh, having, you know, uh, too many corruptions. Uh, and obviously we already spoke about uh, the fact of uh, corruptions that that ended up happening anyway uh, later on because of the misplacement of verses. And we, we have a whole episode of this, you know, that people can go uh, watch on the channel. Uh, but yeah, I just wanted to point that out. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. And this way of thinking about uh, these three uh, holy books, the Old Testament, the New Testament, and the Quran as as like a trilogy that needs to be uh, side by side. It needs to be read uh, from the beginning until the end in order to fully understand. And, and the fact that the prophets, uh, like the, Jesus came and he corrected that which was incorrect before, and Prophet Muhammad did the exact same thing. He corrected uh, things that were not understood properly before. Um, it, it makes perfect sense, and it, it really puts the whole thing together. Um, yeah, I, 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 but nobody's ever spoken about it in this way. Only you. Well, thank you for joining us today, Tiffany. Uh, I appreciate you being present, and uh, inshallah, I look forward to uh, more episodes. Thank you so much for having me, and I, I can't wait to be back. God bless you.